Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Gary Brent is a man of many talents, and he has been working consistently on a range of musical projects since at least 2007. Most recently, he's released a full-length album titled Phantasmal as Karenir, an EP titled Failure to Find as Salomoth, Casting Patterns as Kessel, and this year Astral Corridors as Gone Mage. Saccharine Curses Exhaled in the Wind as Perfumed Saturnine Angels, and his self-titled Memorage album. Taking direct inspiration from early pixelated world of video games, he has proudly and creatively incorporated both pixel art and 8 and 16-bit music into his approach to metal. Join me today as we get to pick Gary's brain about his multi-dimensional approach to music. Gary, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you uh, rescheduling everything. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Uh, Honored to be on here. As we were chatting just a few moments ago, you're incredibly busy, so you've been involved with... uh, bluntly an obscene number of musical projects obviously (laughs) you've been busy with all of those so how in the world do you balance your time between so many different projects and your personal life especially considering the sometimes wildly different approaches to music yeah um no that's a great question um really it's it kind of uh has i guess like catapulted more in the past three years uh because i started working at home in in uh 2020 uh early part of that year and but even like throughout kind of the years before that um i i just kind of tend to laser focus on um any anything that i have like in mind that i'm working on or wanting to work on like in the in the near future um i tend to get like really organizational with like notes uh, whether that's like uh digital digital notes like emailing myself or like documents or just like handwriting stuff um so i like to keep things very organize and like kind of have an outline doesn't happen every time but most of the time i have like an outline of all the different things i'm working on so that that helps a lot um and i guess really uh i don't i don't usually do a lot of other things outside of music um i mean i have some hobbies but they're 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 definitely like kind of clearly secondary or or you know kind of background stuff that i that i get into but yeah music really does take a uh, most of my time. So then would you say a lot of that organization, organization, like transfers through to your personal life? Are you as regimented like around work and around your personal life, like friends and family as well? Mm, you know, what's funny. I actually am not. Um, well, uh, well, to an extent, uh, with, with work, uh, but, but like kind of in just like my personal life, um, sort of, uh, you could say, uh, a, a personality, uh, downfall is that i'm i'm kind of habitually late as a person (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like like you know outside of uh music related stuff like just getting to places or things on time i don't know what it is um i tend to get distracted easily you could say um but with with yeah with music though uh for some reason something kind of just like clicks uh in my mind where i i i do kick in that organizational uh mindset that might have already answered my next question, but I was going to ask how difficult for you it was to concentrate on releasing so many albums or EPs simultaneously or nearly simultaneously. But like you mm-hmm. said, you're laser focused when you're working on music and it obviously seems to be a passion of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and absolutely. Um, and I think that's kind of the key is having the the passion and like the, the motivation, um, staying like creatively motivated. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. I've been able to stay like pretty steadily, uh, almost constantly uh, motivated, especially the last three years. I think it's just like uh, kind of what I said, where I just really don't do much, you know, outside of music. I mean, 
I I don't have kids. Uh, I do have cats. Um, <laughs> so so I guess you could say you know some things do take up you know some of my time. Um, but I I also think that working at home has kind of helped. Um, you, you could say, I don't know if enable is the right word, but maybe it is because <laughs> my, my work desk is in the same room as my uh, all my studio, my studio room, like all my gear. So, you know, sometimes work can get a little bit slow. So it helps me like during those, you know, slow hours, slow days, it helps me concentrate on all the different things like, like the, the laser focus um, of all the different things I'm working on. Yeah. You've already touched on your notes and how you leave yourself kind of reminders. So how do you prioritize your projects in different stages of production? Mm, yeah, um, I would say it it almost kind of starts with like, um, I'll, I'll write the different steps of every different thing that I'm working on, you know, whether it's an EP, full length, split, um, or even just like a single for like someone's compilation. Um, and so forth. Um, so I, I, I have that all kind of written down and I try to set um, specific times for any given uh, release or song or album that I'm working on so that, you know, when it when it's time for me to like sit at my music desk, music computer, um, my mind is already like, OK, this this is what I'm working on tonight and tomorrow or, you know, uh, however uh, stretch of time that I've kind of mentally reminded myself of. Um, so that helps me a lot in like not getting too, uh, I guess, self-distracted. We're like, oh, wait, I got to work on that too. Um, but no, uh, I try to like do this, you know, like one thing, like work on a God Mage thing or Memorage thing, and then move on to something else, um, you know, maybe the next week. So yeah, just like partitioning stuff. You mentioned that you were, you've worked on splits and singles for compilation albums. Just a random question here. Do you end up like putting those on your albums as well, or are those basically on mm. the split or on the compilation? Um, yeah. Um, most of the time, they are exclusive to the those respective splits and uh, compilations, um, especially lately. I, I would say like early on in kind of my music making, uh, compilation tracks, those mostly were songs that ended up on albums. Um, but lately, I think the past maybe two years or so, um, any any compilation um, opportunity that's been presented to me, um, usually either that um, like label or or organization for the compilation asks me to write something exclusive for it, but not every time. Uh, however, I've kind of taken upon myself to make something exclusive for any compilation, like in the past uh, couple of years. Yeah. And then with Gone Mage, does do the compilation or split songs? Do they continue the story? Um, they kind of do. Uh, not nest. You you could say that I consider them as like side quests. Um, okay. If, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of back to where I wanted to go with that originally, um, mm -hmm. in addition to the number of projects that you're involved with, you take yeah. a multitude of different approaches to the music itself. So we've touched on this already, but um, black metal, new metal, death metal, punk, and you've also traveled down the electronic route. And I apologize if I'm bastardizing these, but is it <laughs> schmooze? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Formerly, oh, man, that's um, a throwback for sure. Yeah. yeah. And before that, it was called From a Residence of Stars and Gnosis, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, 
So the question here is, where did your interest in heavier music begin, and when did you start to take an interest in mixing the two paths of electronic and metal? Mm, yeah. Um, so let's see. I think my kind of first fascination with, with actually making uh, heavy music probably started um, early in high school. So so for me, that's um, like 2001, 2002. However, I didn't know really about recording yet. So I would just record stuff onto like tape decks, um, more, more like ideas, not really like, you know, full fleshed compositions. Um, but that was like kind of the start because um, I and actually I was starting compositional things on bass guitar because uh, it was just the instrument I was most familiar with and, and learned before electric guitar. Um, so that was actually, I, I would say, a pretty foundational moment for me because I would like look at bands tabs, like bass tabs, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I would kind of try to write my own stuff, but maybe a little bit more complicated to, to kind of mimic like extra notes, you know, like that a guitarist would um, normally write. So like it kind of, yeah, started um, during the early 2000s um, when I was getting more into death metal and black metal and some grind um, during those years. And uh, I guess like the other part of the question with like electronic um, interests of mine, uh, ma making that music and then even coming to the point of fusing it, um, you could say, I guess like the first feeling was it being a challenge. Like I, I really like giving or imposing challenges on myself as a uh, musician and writer so it's like everything pretty much everything that i approach is like almost putting like a puzzle together so especially with ele electronic music uh obviously very different uh textures and 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 production approaches to to that whole genre and and, and its subgenres as opposed to metal or heavy music in general so it's like trying to almost fit two things that naturally maybe don't fit together but you know they 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 have in the past you know with like other bands and stuff but for me personally it's uh it's like trying to trying to put a crazy puzzle together yeah have you ever toured with the idea of putting like house music or trance into your metal or are you going to stick Ooh. with the 18 8 and 16 bit video um music? that's you know I, I think so, actually. I, I would like to, yes. Um, I haven't, like, seriously thought about it, but it's been a thing that's kind of in the back of my mind where it would be, that, that would be, like, another uh, challenge for me to kind of approach because I've never made house music or trance, like, specifically. Um, like, I have all the tools to, to, to do it, uh, but I've never sat down and actually attempted it. So I think it would it would be fun, and I would be interested in doing it, yeah. So if I'm kind of under understanding this properly, not only is it a challenge, but you're kind of putting those things together to see if they work well or if you can put them together in a way that sounds good. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's almost like um, um, it, it kind of reminds me of a, a, a phrase that a friend uh, said, actually kind of semi-recently, but I've always held this uh, thought or opinion um, where like someone asks uh or, or maybe rhetorically, like, who is this for? You know, in, in, in response to someone's music, like a, especially like a crazy subgenre blend. And the answer is, it's for the artist. <laughs> so what, what, whenever, you know, like Gone Mage is uh, specifically, or especially, uh, you know, such a crazy mix of uh, styles, um, it, it, it's definitely, I mean, it, it's a bonus that people like it, you know, first, first of all. Uh, but 
it's you know it's definitely for me like it's a it, it kind of um uh i guess ticks a box for me like like wow i made this this is kind of crazy um but yeah yeah from what i've read and what i've heard on previous interviews you seem to have quite the ec eclectic taste in music which genres or and or subgenres of music would you say you are biggest fan of and who are some of the bands on your heavy rotation oh yeah um let's see yeah i really like just so much stuff um i would say like overall uh, maybe my like four to five like favorite bands we'll, we'll say i'll kind of like break it up into like all time um which kind of will span a few different things so like corn over uh like their whole all of their era uh sounds of, of, of changing um immolation um cynic for sure uh the appleseed cast and i would say godflesh definitely so th those are all kind of very impactful influential on me in so many different ways um and i guess so lately i've definitely and, it, and it's pretty evident on like social media and stuff um and with like memorage but I've, I've definitely gone on a on a you could say a rediscovery of uh new metal from you know mid to late 90s early 2000s so you know it's like revisiting uh, the aforementioned corn, um, like Cold Chamber, um, early Slipknot, mainly they're self-titled, um, and then like uh, some lesser-known stuff from that era. Um, this French band called Playmo, um, who actually I did not know of, like they were from that era, but I did not know about them until last year, and they're kind of a crazy mix of all. You, almost like Limp Bizkit and Deftones, but then they have like Mashuga riffs, which really threw me for a loop, but it kind of makes sense because, I mean, mashuga has been around for a long time, um, so they probably took influence from, you know, like Mashuga's maybe Chaos Fear or something from the 90s. Um, but what I love about Playmo is, I guess I should say, I'm not that big of a Limp Bizkit fan, uh, mainly because of like Fred Durst vocals. Uh, I mean, they're, they can be fine for me personally, but I'm not the biggest fan. However, Playmo instrumentally sounds like them, but vocally, like, it's all French um, lyrics, so it's, like, it's not as grating, perhaps. Um, I mean, I'm sure some people might think otherwise, but, yeah, they've been, like, a heavy rotational band for me lately. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, maybe some other stuff that's been maybe not metal that i've been listening to a lot lately um actually a friend's project um her name or her pro their, their project name's ophiliac and it's really good kind of ambient almost like indie folkish um maybe like not super heavy on folk but it, it gives me that vibe it's very minimal i should say uh, like peaceful um yeah I'd have to say I did not expect some of your answers, and some of them I definitely didn't know, so I can't wait to hear some of some of them. Nice. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you are and have been a part of many musical projects with varying levels of, of success, depending on how you measure it, is it ever difficult not to compare two or more of your projects in terms of success, and does it help you identify aspects of your music that you want to focus on more or what direction you may take musically in other projects? Mm, yeah. Um. I think sometimes I can and do compare different successes of all the things that I've made, all the different projects that I've, I've been in or am in. Um, but then I kind of also like try to step outside of that thought 
and see it as like, well, you know, the, there's, the, these are all so different and they're all going to resonate so differently with so many different um, kinds of people or, or music listeners. Um, so I try not to take too much stock in that in, in terms of how it affects um, how I move forward. Um, with that said, pretty much everything that I release or I'm working on, I, I guess it's like I, I pretty much like put my full uh, attention and like heart into it. So like whatever that thing is, whatever that album or EP was at that moment, um, you know, the, li the listener or, or anyone should know that I was 100% like invested in it. And, you know, obviously my whole discography has been pretty um, uh, different and, and varying. So, you know, there's definitely times where like, oh, I was, you could tell I was in a super like death metal phase um, or in, or in a like crazy or like weird black metal phase, um, weird, weird as in like avant-garde black metal. Um, and then like, you know, now, you know, definitely kind of in the new metal mindset and really who knows like where I could go next, um, or, or, you know, what could come next, but you could say that I'm always, um, shifting and, you know, sometimes I go back to or revisit older sounds that I've done before. So it's it's almost like kind of a spin the wheel kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I guess you can also look at it, like you said earlier, that it's it's really for the artist. So it could also mean yeah. like you finally yeah. found a way that those two sound melded two sounds melded together, or you could have more of an engaging process with one or two of the albums. Maybe not the most commercially successful, but maybe one of the yeah. most fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great. Um, yeah, great, great kind of observation or way to look at it. Um, and it's like, you know, you know, some of these albums, yeah, they, they'll, they'll resonate differently and, and like commercially or, or, you know, not commercially, but, uh, in terms of like a, a bigger level, perhaps online or, or whatever. Um, but really like, I love everything that I've done, like, you know, pretty much equally, you know, even the like little stuff like that, hasn't really ever been noticed um but but like i said it was it was for me so you know i i resonate with everything that i've done in, in different ways and i guess you could say they're all like kind of time capsules yeah absolutely it's like a snapshot of where you were musically yeah. as well as like interest wise like you mentioned mm, earlier yeah. you might be influenced by with what you're listening at that time and right. you're also building a story with with a couple of your bands yeah absolutely yeah what was your main motivating factor to include both pixel art and old school video game tunes within your music? Oh yeah. Um, gosh. So I, I kind of got a really, uh, well, first of all, definitely like growing up with those kinds of games and, and the art that was in those games, uh, in the nineties, um, always kind of spoke to me and, and carried with me over the years. And you could also say that I'm a, I'm, I'm a very like nostalgic person in terms of like media and and art art styles and and music of course um so it was it was kind of like uh two different nostalgic points of my life coming together in terms of gone mage um or, or in general the, the the pixel art aesthetic um with like heavier music which usually i guess like really is not a normal thing um normally it's it's for like strictly electronic based music which makes sense um, but yeah, it's kind of like fusing two different nostalgic points where it's like, I grew up with these partic this particular kind of heavy music, 
but I also grew up with these kinds of games and art styles. So it was it was kind of like, um, and I guess this ties into another thing of the why is that I love world building and you know like creating a storyline or storylines, and pixel art to me is like one of the coolest. Um, vehicles for telling a story uh i guess because of my nostalgia with it or with the games that had that art style so yeah it's like almost like a fusion of nostalgia that led me to the decision are you familiar with the band Stormkeep? oh yes yeah so last year um i think it was last year maybe 2021 now but they put out the tales of other time and in the physical box they had like a fold-out map and stuff like that i'm wondering if you have anything similar to kind of more fully flush out those stories that you're building with your physical releases, of course. That's cool. Um, I think I remember seeing that. Um, you know, no, I don't, but I have thought about it. Um, and I think it would be really cool to do, to kind of um, give it even more of a, a tangible um, view. Uh, you know, especially for like a fan, um, just to kind of see everything physically up close, like, or, or even just a picture of it online. Um, so no, no, I don't, but I, I would like to do that. Yeah. I'm also assuming that you're a fan of RPGs, like tabletop games, are you? Yes, absolutely. Have you ever considered putting together an RPG style game with Gone Mage or with Memorage or anything like that? <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's, it's cool that you asked that. Um, I have a friend, uh, they, uh, play a lot of tabletop and they're actually working on um, kind of the bones of a uh, kind of gone mage uh, Karenir related or tie-in um, RPG um, I don't know when it will kind of see or come to fruition it might be a year maybe maybe a couple of years depending on how complicated uh, we want to get with it, but they've kind of consulted me with like things they've come up with, and I try to feed them little bits like, oh, what can, what what kind of characters or, or classes you know are possible within this universe? You know, should we go really really like expanded with it, or or perhaps start a little simpler with it? Probably starting simple with it might be good for you know even someone on the outside who doesn't even know gone major my music you know we want it to probably come across easily approachable at first with the room to expand um so yeah may, maybe within a couple years we might see that i mean some bands have like online games or they have something yeah. similar that comes with the album but that would be really cool to have like different installments or yeah an rpg i don't know if you would go like the dungeons and dragons route or if you do something right. physical oh man that's a it yeah it's interesting to think about because there's there's so many different uh, methods that you can kind of kind of go with it. Um, Dunces and Dragons, you know, definitely kind of the classic approach. However, I don't know, maybe having like kind of physical pieces would be cool too, like maybe 3D printed or something like that. I think it would be fun. Yeah, something tangible. I'm sorry, I kind of got on a tangent there. I, yeah, now I'm hoping <laughs> the Gone Mage game comes out. <laughs> right. No, all good. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Um, we'll see. I'm crossing my fingers that it can, it can come to fruition. Um, there w kind of well, actually very related. There is supposed to be, uh, a short like dungeon crawler gone mage game 
for like Steam or like uh, uh, Itch.io or, or however it is, itch.io, itch um, like a free game. Uh, I have like some developers I've been in touch with for the past, um, wow, I guess a year. Um, but you know, games, like video games definitely take a lot of time if you want to do them really well. And I have no knowledge of like programming or anything like that. I'm, I'm very much an ideas guy, <laughs> obviously. Um, so so they, they tell me or show me progress on it, but it, it honestly has been a little while. Um, so I don't know if, if maybe they've hit a wall with it. Um, so, so that that might be on the horizon too. <laughs> we'll, we, we'll see though. I was just reading your phase out page on the Metal Archives here and it says the oh, yeah. version description, it just says custom video game style KCD. So what style is that? And is that the PlayStation 1? Ah, yes. Um, um, it's not. So it's a, um, it, it's like a mock. Uh, well, okay. I guess bootleg is not the right word but perhaps like a third party company made a case that was kind of wanting to mimic a playstation style case that's cool and when i saw it i and i had been on the lookout for a case like that for maybe a few years but before phase out like before we even had the idea for phase out it was just kind of looming on the back of my mind like man i really want to do a cd album that has a video game style case and I don't remember how I found them. I think it it had to be on had to be on like eBay, I think. Um, and I bought you know like a, a box of fifty, and I was like, oh, cool. We'll we'll make fifty CDs then of in this style. Um, but yeah, it's I think essentially like a mock PlayStation case. That's really cool. I love those ideas. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I notice a lot of bands toy with other pop culture references, whether it be um, video games. Mm -hmm. like shows movies and all that kind of stuff whether and and there's also like there's a reference point and then there's also i don't know how they get around copyright laws but like for example mm. i have an aborted t-shirt with cuphead style villains on it and oh, i have another one with uh, cool. artorias from dark souls so i don't know how they get around the copyright but mm. i really like that they're incorporating those style of things into their art yeah you know that's that's funny because i've wondered about that too and and obviously like i have um uh two gone made shirts that have wario on them um and i haven't gotten anything yet from <laughs> nintendo please don't come at me nintendo um <laughs> you know i'm just a little project here doing some funky stuff um but yeah i actually don't know what the intellectual property like copyright is i it there there's probably a gray area there i'm sure the worst i've heard of is kind of like a cancellation. Uh, I was speaking mm, with a member okay. of I Have Horus and they're from Edmonton, or sorry, I believe they're from Edmonton. I'm probably going to screw that up. Anyways, Edmonton, Alberta, so a few hours north of me. Okay. They saw a design online that looked almost like the Edmonton Oilers hockey jersey. And so mm -hmm. they put their band name and everything in there. And I guess somebody released the image and somebody got mad that they were selling NHL, NHL style uh, oh, wow. like logos. Okay. But yeah. it was far enough away from what like the Oilers looked like and <laughs> I believe I believe because they're not in competing markets like it's not two separate hockey teams I believe because okay. one is music and one is hockey that they didn't really care as much but if you were kind of in the same hmm. realm that they'd probably go after you but I mean the NHL is probably like like Nintendo yeah I have no idea yeah, but I've never thought about that but that does make sense um because yeah like I've, I've, I've seen like even more popular um, or like big big bands who make t-shirts or um, 
uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, like not not uh, like lunch boxes, or, you know, miscellaneous merch, like those bigger 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 bands, and you know they'll be in the style of uh, I don't know, like some soda, like some like Coca Cola or or you know something super pop culture, and they've never gotten uh, flack for it, or at least I've you know I've not noticed that. So yeah, it is interesting because like you're in a different lane than what the actual product is. And speaking of nostalgia and like video games, if you end up getting the work done and you have like a video game put together, mm -hmm. I know there are companies that make like third-party Nintendo or Super Nintendo cartridges, so you could put in your own like computer chip, and it's like it's quite Ooh. simple, I guess, from <laughs> what I understand of video game development. It's nowhere near like a God of War or something like that. It's just mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. like a side scroller, which shouldn't take too long yeah yeah and that honestly that's kind of that would be the dream to to have it real you know not only the game done and and you know fun like you know nothing nothing too long um just a good good little side scrolling game um but on a on a physical level i think it would be awesome to actually be ported and made into a cartridge um that's appropriate for you know whatever the graphics end up being like um probably like super nintendo like um maybe uh or or maybe playstation but i'm not sure yet actually no probably not it might be too too far yeah it would probably cap out at 16 bit um but yeah i think it would be cool to actually have a physical like cartridge and then the box like a box art yeah mm -hmm. well and with the resurgence of like old mediums like cassettes of vinyl all that kind of stuff and especially because metal fans are are, are basically suckers for physical merch i think that would <laughs> sell like crazy Oh yeah, no that that would be honestly amazing. Um, yeah, hopefully hopefully uh, we can get it done because it's and and they've sent me like a cool um, uh, what do you call it a, a gif like a progress gif image of like one of the or the main character like doing action shots like shooting fireballs or like swinging a sword. So you know it's it's there, but you know I I just don't know when it'll be done. Ho hopefully. Um, this, this is actually a good reminder because I'm going to have to message them and, and ask kind of a friendly nudge on if there's any progress. Make sure you write it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right. <laughs> so anyways, we got kind of sidetracked there again, but that's totally fine on my side. All good. Yeah. Um, back to your music, you've somehow styled your vocals to sound almost like they belong in like an 8 or a 16-bit game. And that was mm -hmm. one of the things I thought was super unique about Gone Mage. And it seems to match the music very well. It's not a question. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I can kind of like touch upon that because um, you're absolutely right that like that that was my approach. Like I might as well lean into like you know it's not only the aesthetic uh, image wise and then obviously uh, non vocally like with the sound like sound, uh, video game sound fonts. Um, but then yeah, as I was recording the vocals or coming up with my approach for them i was like well i could go maybe a little more simple with them to contrast but then i was like no actually i think i just want to lean into all of this uh to really transport well myself and the listener um further into the you know this kind of warped video game uh reality um so yeah the, a lot of effects a lot of like bit crushing and intentionally saturating vocals um limiting their bandwidth um heavily pretty heavily um both like harsh and and clean vocals uh to where it's like wow what is going on here this sounds like it's inside of a, a dirty sega genesis cartridge <laughs> it almost reminded me of like one of those old school boss fights 
Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. That's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to think. So when you record the vocals, does it come out sounding like, I guess for lack of a better term, like normal, and then you have to mm. add all of that in afterwards? Or is it something that you set up your mic first and then you record it into um, into the program already distorted? um the the former yeah so okay. so whenever it's recorded absolutely dry um so that basically once so that i deem the recording performance as oh that's good or that's done then i kind of get move on to the next phase where i'm editing mixing and adding um uh, or perhaps degrading um the vocals um into you know the end result where it's like yep this is video gaming sounding Am I right in saying that Gamilgum is your stage name? Yes, yeah. Okay. Uh, specifically for Gone Mage, yes. Okay, yeah. So he's also your central character in all of the Gone Mage albums. Mm-hmm. The origin of the story is the phase-out EP by Karenir, and for those who aren't familiar with the music, can you tell me a bit about Gamilgum's adventures through your albums and how it ties into Karenir? Yes. Um, so essentially, it's... It's kind of a, it, or definitely a split reality from Phase Out, where my persona in that is an extension of me, like as 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 a person, where well, perhaps a a video gamed version of me um, in Phase Out, but Gone Mage um, is 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 like a essentially a splintering off into a more exaggerated. Uh, video game version of me and that's why I chose a different handle a a totally different persona and the character kind of starts out as perhaps a protagonist um, loosely kind of just finding their way through this kind of dream 8-bit 16-bit dream universe reality that's totally separate from Karenir's phase out uh, universe um, so they're like different time. They're they're both not only different timelines, but also different uh, uh, realities. Um, so in Gone Mage's like kind of purview, uh, my character kind of goes through like you could say like trials and tribulations of learning what's even happening in this reality and like coming to terms with like that that he's not even human anymore. Um, so it's he's almost like um, a specter um in a way really kind of um sort of in between uh flesh and 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 perhaps a spirit um and then he kind of almost gets corrupted by you know this uh uh paintbrush that's within that universe um and it's kind of bestows powers of powers upon him to uh create uh any basically anything to his imagination within like these dream realms and the paintbrush itself is like extremely powerful basically hinges upon the the controller or user's imagination and perhaps intent and he kind of uh gets a little carried away with it and you could say almost becomes evil or unscrupulous i guess maybe a better word um throughout the trajectory of gone mage so you know that this kind of shows a progression throughout the albums you know the first one he's kind of just aloof and not really sure what's going on and then as the albums are 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 progressing he's becoming more sure of himself or perhaps too sure of himself where he's um 
uh, causing mischief. So in the end, um, or I guess where, where, where he's at now, um, is a far cry from his beginnings and, and obviously from phase out who, who was just a, you know, basically just me with, with some magic powers. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to do, uh, I guess, express a duality of like, here's sort of just kind of a good guy version of me. And then on the other side, here's someone who perhaps started as a good guy or, or maybe just neutral and then kind of just gets warped and, and swept up in his own realm. It seems pretty convoluted, not convoluted, I guess, but when you're, when you're looking at two simultaneous timelines, yeah. essentially, and then two, mm -hmm. uh, basically a dichotomy of two, two different characters that are essentially one. Do you have Correct. a plan as to where Gamilkum is going to go in his adventures? Um, I, I have thought about it and I've written notes on them. However, I haven't committed to the ideas yet on where exactly he'll go. Um, I guess with that said, something down in the, in the pipeline for God Mage and, and the character um, is kind of, you could say sort of a, a, a side quest to all of this um, where, and, and this is kind of a crazy storyline, um, and perhaps another nostalgic factor, uh, weighing in here where we, he kind of comes across, uh, some, <laughs> some aliens that are wanting to take over a planet. Um, cause he can now, um, I'll kind of backtrack a bit, but he can now exit this dream realm and enter reality. So in, in this pipeline down the road he's in actual reality um as this you know larger than life character and he kind of i guess comes to fascination with like a planet uh well I've, I've kind of decided that it's not earth but it's like earth like um just for creative reasons um and these aliens are trying to take over it and it's almost sort of like a space jam uh Ripoff is probably not the right word, but inspiration, uh, where they challenge the these people of this planet to a tournament, a basketball tournament. So not so not just a game like in Space Jam, you know, it's just one game. This is like a tournament, and so this kind of ties into like my, my nostalgia for for '90s uh, sports games, basketball games, um, and he's kind of seen to be expected as the savior of this planet. Um, kind of first unwillingly like sort of like he's annoyed that he has to do this uh but he's fascinated with this planet so like well i'm here so i might as well save this planet and participate in this uh basketball tournament against these uh aliens um so that's uh that's kind of the next storyline and i've i haven't really divulged that much about it on like on, on online or anything a little bit here and there um but I don't know when exactly that will come to fruition. So that's the next uh, part in the storyline. However, beyond that, I'm not sure how far the character will go because um, it's it's so open ended. Like I could I could maybe decide after that 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 he becomes like actually evil. I like how much thought you've put into this, and and obviously <laughs> forethought. Like you've you've branched out, and you have them coming back. This is really cool. It's almost like a like a mini MCU kind of thing. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. Um absolutely. And and I think that's kind of like where I want to be with the project and, and the character where it can go so many different ways only because like, you know, it's science fiction or or and or fantasy. So, it's like, well, 
I can really do ju just about anything with um with the character, you know. And really, it's it's the the most important thing is just having fun with it, like trying to trying to, trying to create some fun storylines. Where did the name Gamilgum come from? Mm, um, so it's it's technically a uh, a Tagalog word that essentially means um basically nostalgia um that might not be like a hundred percent true translation but but that's essentially the meaning and um uh why tagalog is because uh, i'm half filipino I, i'm not like fluent in tagalog but i've kind of grown up you know learning words here and there phrases here and there um so it's sort of been kind of a personal like creative use of adopting some of it into uh my music Correct me if I'm wrong here, but Karanir doesn't seem to always follow the same storytelling method as Gone Mage. Um, mm -hmm. You seem to change subject matters a few times. Is that right? Correct. Yes, okay. definitely. So how many of your main releases in Karanir focus on the story that spawned Gone Mage? And are there stories included in the albums where you deviated from the overarching story? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll say that kind of uh, uh, the, the other person in that project chris he he's written almost all of the lyrics but we both kind of um uh what's the word cultivated kind of different storylines he he's cultivated pretty much all of it in terms of like the non-phase out but then the, the phase out uh storyline and universe i kind of spearheaded the idea and then i let him like Basically, like, I, I came up with the idea and I was like, run with this. And he he went pretty hard with it. Um, with that said, it really just uh, spans phase out and then phantasmal um, in terms of uh, uh, related universe, really real uh, related universes and themes with Gone Mage. Um, everything before that and um, kind of some of the stuff in between that um, are are outside of that purview it goes without saying that you've pulled inspiration from old school video games and other sci-fi and fantasy based pop culture such as Dak, sorry jesus jack and dexter <laughs> uh, yeah. mario magic the gathering on the memorage Bandcamp page you reference deus ex terminator 2 hellraiser and robotech as some of your influences so mm -hmm. where do some of your other influences come from in the same vein mm, yeah um like in terms of like pop culture yeah um i would say like i mean really it it does all kind of kind of stem from sci-fi based things and in terms of like that's like the umbrella that i really gravitate towards and like to grab from uh i guess really it kind of just it's from growing up with that um i, w I was able to like watch kind of sci-fi and, and horror movies maybe maybe too young <laughs> but uh like a lot my cousins really got me into that stuff and my dad too um so that's kind of really where i've grabbed everything from um but i'm trying to think of like maybe some other stuff um maybe loosely uh dragon ball z a little bit um just because i really i grew up loving that a lot i've kind of um not taken that much inspiration from it um but just like a little bit here something like character tropes and stuff like that um, I guess you could say almost like, yeah, my character in, in, um, for Ganmei just kind of, kind of modeled from some of the character tropes from Dragon Ball Z where it's like a, like a Vegeta like where he's, well, sort of the flip side. He started out as a bad guy and then kind of became more neutral and then a good guy. So yeah, you could say that, 
Um, but other other than that, um, I'm trying to think of some other things. Maybe even some of the characters or personas from like wrestling, because uh, I grew up loving that a lot, like uh, WWE or or back when it was WWF um, in the '90s. Um, some of their like storylines and like some of their, I guess like attitudes, the Attitude Era, yeah. <laughs> I think that changed because the was it the World Wildlife Federation went after them or something? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I actually kind of forgot about that, but yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was because I I remember when they changed it and I was so confused like what is what like why did they change and then yeah someone mentioned that and I was like oh okay I see I noticed a couple explicit references in your music and I didn't write down whether these are song titles or they were just part of lyrics but hmm. a couple of the ones that I saw were purple lurker from Jack and Daxter and then the Salomoth from Magic the Gathering are there any more explicit references like that oh um let's see I'm trying to think um I mean, definitely in Salamoth, like a lot, all, almost all of the song titles are from Magic the Gathering, um, whether it's literally mag, uh, card cards, names of the cards, uh, certain cards, or like um, blends of different cards together. Um, but let's see, other than, other than those... Um, feel like those might be it off the top of my head because i'm trying to think um yeah I, honestly i think those might be it now it makes me want to keep looking yeah i and it's funny because because i i hadn't thought about that but i'm gonna have to <laughs> kind of on the outside looking looking back in uh in retrospect of like hmm I wonder if I did use something like pretty explicit there. I, I'm sure that I have, because I, I mean, I've made a lot, but I'm, I'm sure that I have used some other stuff. Um, yeah. Does Gamilka make an appearance, or is Gamilka referenced in any of your other bands other than Karenir? Mm, um, no, actually not. I try to keep those two projects ex like kind of intertwined uh, in, in all their various different convoluted ways. Um, so kind of those two are tied to get those two products are tied together but outside of that no i haven't probably going to butcher this name so correct me if i'm wrong but you worked with christian abuelo retrowave aranda for the art on memorage did i say that properly yes yeah okay sweet. absolutely uh, it also appears that you've worked with other pixel artists for some of the other cover covers you've produced as mm -hmm. this is a little different than seeking more traditional artwork or photographs for metal, what went into choosing an artist for you, and did you provide much direction in regard to design or appearance? Oh, yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, and not actually, not a lot of people have asked about that. Um, so it definitely was a, first of all, a very different experience, but it was, like, really refreshing because, um, obviously, like, I, I've been pretty enamored with, like, pixel art. Um and you could say like the the process for it was just um kind of just browsing like the like a hashtag pixel art in, in the beginning and just kind of honestly over the course of like a year or so um like so so essentially i'll, I'll backtrack it a bit phase out was like the first cover where i uh hired a pixel artist and so leading up to it um I spent a lot of time just kind of mining through pixel art, like subreddit, pixel art, um, hashtags, 
um, accounts on, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so it was like a, perhaps a research uh, process, um, but you know, not just research, cause it was like kind of for my own amusement too. Like, oh, this artist is really cool. And then, you know, eventually I came across um, Abuelo Retrowave, uh, his handle, and his art just really spoke to me, really vibrant colors, um, really cool, like kind of filling in the details of um, that you might not see in most pixel art. So that really drew drew me in because, you know, most metal art, um, extreme metal art is like, you know, sometimes it can be like graphic or maybe not graphic, but extremely detailed, a lot of line work. And, you know, I've been used to that in the past um, with a uh, previous album art from from other projects or, or, or in uh, Kariner's earlier earlier stuff. But uh, Abuelo Retrowave in, in particular, his art just spoke to me with how detailed it was. And even even when he does use limited colors, he can still get really detailed. So when I contacted him, um, I, I did give him a very specific art direction, um, especially for a Memorage um, album cover. And he first came back with kind of a sketch to make sure that it was what I was envisioning. And it was cool. Like he did a sketch that was not pixel, it, you know, just like with pencil. And then I was like, okay, yeah, that's, let's move on from there or move forward. And then, you know, it took couple weeks sent me another progress picture this time in pixel but not finished like i think it was just like uh, the lines and not or, or the pixels but not colored and then eventually he sent me the finished piece and i was wowed i was like this is pretty crazy to see this realized from just that sketch just from the idea um so yeah d there was definitely a heavy uh art direction from me uh to the artist this might be common sense for a lot of people but i'm actually pretty excited to hear that it came to you as like a sketch first and then it was pixelated after the fact yeah um and it's and to be honest i didn't expect that um uh from from my point of view i i really didn't know what to expect um i i just thought that uh that he wouldn't send a sketch that he would just send me like a finished piece you know whenever that time would come but him sending me a sketch like a you know on like pencil and paper or like scanned in or whatever um was pretty cool and kind of a different approach than i would have maybe initially thought um so yeah that, that was cool and like I, lo I love seeing his art too like he some he doesn't post enough of his like sketches or like before and afters i i think that more pixel artists should do that because it shows kind of an insight on like oh okay so you may start on like pencil and paper pen and paper and then you know move it to digital to to explicitly go with the pixels mm -hmm. i can see another par parallel in logo art as well because a lot of artists that i know of they just do everything digitally but mm -hmm. when i worked with christoph spidel for my logos um he was when we were doing the podcast we had the cameras on and he was actually sketching the logos out as oh, we talked in the middle wow. of like this forest and it was really cool to see because then he That's he cool. scanned everything sent it to me and then once i kind of approved the designs he mm -hmm. i guess flushed everything out a little bit better and then um got me in touch with his graphic designer who then did like a, a vectorized version but nice. it was okay. cool to see like the inconsistencies because with the, with the <laughs> hand drawn like there's little bits that are missing or like oh yeah it's kind of like a tattoo like there's always a little bit of error and then mm -hmm. to see the before and after where it was cleaned up and like perfect it's like it's a really cool contrast that's amazing i, I love the logo too and it, it kind oh, of thanks. just 
just speaks of how how good that he is of an artist you know especially for how long he's been doing it um for him to stay on top of his game and be consistent with so mm -hmm. many different kinds of, of of line or logo work um that he does it's pretty cool yeah and he decided to like i was going to look for different artists to do different styles because i kind of like when okay. bands change things up from time to time or even for example like lorna shore and rivers rivers of nile they both have those yeah. like old school stoner metal t-shirts and i think right, that's just right. a really cool even though it doesn't necessarily represent their music so yeah. i asked him for a few different versions and he ended up giving me <laughs> 10 uh 10 plus one freebie that was um, it was done for an event that he was doing so it was really cool oh. to be able to kind of like advertise for that as well as show off like how talented this guy is yeah wow no that's amazing um and i also uh really like that too when bands kind of try explicitly a, a style art style that really isn't with with like fitting with their sound but it's it just kind of gives like a a, a a contrast to it um mm -hmm. where it's like oh yeah we vibe with this art too you know maybe it's not our sound but have a little fun with it you know yeah and speaking of logo art um the one on your metal archives pages is, is completely done in pixel art and it's a little bit different than in your albums so what was the search for that logo like and did you also contact a pixel artist oh yeah um so that one is done by a friend on instagram um I, well i haven't been in contact with him in a long time i feel like he left social media to be honest because i haven't seen him in, in maybe a year or a year and a half um but he's uh gosh his name kind of eludes me now i just knew him as his handle i don't think i ever knew his real name um but with that said he he had a fascination with gone mage in its early incarnation um because i was using pixel art i think that's how we came in contact and and because he is a pixel art an old school pixel artist where he was doing pixel art in the 90s like a like on old school methods which i have no clue of um obviously it's like the methods that artists would do for those games at the time uh what you know whatever technology it was that he was using on his computer um he did that for this gone mage logo and um yeah he basically i i only gave him a loose direction where i was like well it's got to be purplish because that's well first of all my favorite color and it's tied to gone mage like gone mage is just it's just purple and he's like okay and i was like really beyond that um you know kind of make it metal ish but still readable and almost graffiti like because um and i think his other logos or well they're not band logos but like lo maybe they're logos for games or or something or just his um uh own fun um he did a lot of graffiti style pixel art logos um and I, and i think that kind of influenced my art direction where i was like hmm i was like you know can you kind of implement a bit of your graffiti pixel art style with the metal style um and he was like, I can try it. I think it would, it would be a good challenge. And I was like, okay. And then he did it, and and um, he he implemented the paintbrush, uh, which I know it kind of looks like uh, like ice cream, um, but but it's it's sort of the paintbrush from the lore. Um, and he just threw that in out of nowhere. Um, I guess he had been paying attention to my to you know the lyrics and and that uh, component of the storyline. And I was pretty excited and and surprised to see that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, different artists who did that. 
Well, that's something that seems like a small detail, but the fact that he went in and actually listened to all your music, and you touched on the story earlier that he basically had a, a brush to paint basically whatever he wants at this point. I yeah. think that's a really cool uh, addition to the logo. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like it's um, it's kind of become like the default logo for the project. Um, obviously, I've had some other ones in the past, and, and I think maybe one or two after that, like more simplified ones. Um, but that kind of ties in with like, well... I want to have some different aesthetics here and there where necessary, but but that one in particular definitely is like the main Gone Mage logo. And speaking of your albums, I can't see a logo on your latest one. Is am I just mm, missing yeah. it, or is it actually not on there? It is not. Um, so that that was actually kind of a surprising artistic choice that I made. Where s- since that album is definitely uh, heavier and darker sounding, I wanted the cover to kind of um, follow that attitude where there's there's no text on the front it's just art um, to where it's like is this is this an album like what is this a game like what is this mm-hmm. um, so so to kind of perhaps elevate that sense of like intrigue um, and I and I've kind of personally really enjoyed seeing album co- like from other artists album covers without their logo or name um sometimes because it kind of gives off that mysterious vibe like wow this like you're just seeing this art piece um it kind of pulls you in so i guess in yeah that album in particular i did not want any um logo on the front there i was gonna say i really enjoy when the logos on the the album because then you could figure out what band it is but there's so many metal that's bands true. that you can't read anyway so <laughs> that's a good point yeah yeah and 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 I kind of wrestle with that too where it's like well no one's like someone on the outside looking in they're gonna be like well who what is you know what is this who is this you know at a first glance level there's definitely a con there where it's like well how are they gonna find your stuff unless they're like reading about you um but i kind of i rolled the dice with it for sure and 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 kind of committed to the uh that aesthetic choice i like how this album astral corridors basically looks like a continuation of handheld demise like it looks like (laughs) yes maybe that was the character fighting the boss or something like that or maybe this was somebody that you were to either level up or heal with just before going into the boss arena yeah absolutely um so 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 on uh astral corridors that is actually um uh, my character in his sort of ultimate is not the proper term because you know that that usually means the, the end um but perhaps his present peak uh state where mm. he's just fully corrupted uh by the paintbrush um wh- i see wh- the paintbrush wh- now yeah so, so, <laughs> that's so, so cool he, so he is perhaps a a boss uh, uh, from my point of view on this album. Yeah. I also like how within the artwork you have those like little glitched out areas. It reminds me of back in like yeah. elementary school when I was playing the handheld Pokemon games, and, and oh. I don't know if it was a glitch or what it was, but the like super yeah. pixelated monster would come up. And yeah, yeah, no, that's so funny that you mentioned that because I wanted that uh, s- somehow portrayed there. I didn't really know how to illustrate that to to this particular artist. Um, he kind of filled in the gaps for me. I, I kind of gave him, to be honest, a bit of a loose guideline. And he mm-hmm. kind of filled the gaps of like, do you like this where it's kind of glitching out? And I was like, oh, my. Yeah. Keep keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Like when he was going uh, showing me uh, uh, progress pictures um so he he almost kind of read my mind i just didn't know how to like word it to him but he 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 knew how to hit that i'm sitting here wondering like what kind of 
verbal or written kind of direction you gave me like i want a sweet border made out of cords with like a wizard with tentacles and gigantic wings and then holding a paintbrush and then yeah. a bunch of different masks that it looks like the the holy world is like opening up at the top yeah um so so it kind of really just went like that way um uh there he, i had worked with him before and he did a piece of my character that was not an album cover but it was um uh, a sticker and sort of just like a digital piece that i'd use for mm, promo purposes um and so that that uh design uh in pixel art is sort of like you could say the second form of my character's uh corruption um or warping and so i told him for astral corridors i was like can you i was like do you remember the other piece that you did and he's like yes and i was like can you uh retread that character but from a different angle like just head on straight forward but this time he's more corrupted so i kind of had to tell him like what like the uh the ethos or or, or the motivator behind this character like why like what why does he have tentacles and, and all that kind of stuff so he had to or i had to tell him um these characteristics so he could kind of get in the headspace and so I was like, so this is kind of his third form. And he's like, oh, okay. So he's progressively just getting uh, weirder and more and scarier. And I was like, yes. Um, so I was like, go as far as you can go with the tentacles, you know, w within this frame. And, and yes, I, I did kind of, kind of give him direction of like, okay, we need a frame that's kind of similar to handheld demise. Uh, oh, which he did the artwork for um as well as well so i was like can we have that frame but you know a little bit different um keep everything black and white and then but have my character um kind of elevated uh you know scarier than than the piece that he did before and he's like okay i'll come up with with something <laughs> and he did that other piece that you're talking about is that the magic card that i'm just seeing on your Bandcamp page um yeah, I think so. Actually, I'm going to pull it up because I have made a couple. Um, let's see. The one that I'm looking at is on a cassette picture with Gone Mage's uh, Sudden Deluge. That is the one. Yes. That's awesome. That, that piece. Yeah, he did that piece. Um, and I, I forgot that I, I had uh, put those up on Bandcamp. Glad, glad you spotted that. But yes. Uh, so he did that piece. And that's, that's essentially the second form. Um, so he, he's kind of got crazier wings and stuff so so essentially the first form is the cover of mystical extraction where it kind of just looks like me basically in like a magical or like a you know a fantasy suit yeah. or, or garb yeah i'm so i the, don't know how the, the, sorry oh sorry oh the 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 jump is big <laughs> from from form to well from the first form to the second and third forms I'm just like sitting here going through your Bandcamp page. I don't know how I missed all these pictures before, but like we were talking about having different artwork within the uh, album books and stuff. And it looks like you've yeah. already fully fleshed out that world. So, I mean, those video games probably wouldn't be that big of a stretch if you've already done all this. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's a good point. Um, and, and I've definitely, yeah, provided um, the, the game developers with like all of this stuff to kind of pull from um, obviously uh, easier said than done in terms of like the game programming developing itself but I, I it's it's definitely all there um and i told them to kind of um 
you know, keep, keep, keep even some of their imagination. Like I'm open to their imagination on expanding upon what I've already gotten done art wise. So, you know, you could say these are like, this is like all the groundwork and they can expand upon it. However, they may see fit and obviously, you know, run it by me. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, you also mm -hmm. own and operate gap recordings. It, so from what I understand, it's an auto engi audio engineering and sound production company. I'm guessing that's where uh, you were talking about being earlier today. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I, I actually have dissolved the, the company itself a couple okay. of years ago. Um, so I, I was running it for, I guess, maybe like 10, 11 years yeah. Um, where I would record and mix and master other people, other bands and artists. Um, and then of course, like my own. Um, but it kind of came to a point where I, I guess really it was like 2020 where, um, my motivations changed in terms of recording other people, working with other people's, um, art where I was like, I really want to like kickstart, um, my own stuff it, more. Uh, so like, you know, Gone Mage and, and everything else kind of led to the decision of dissolving it um with that said i will still um mix the occasional uh album or song from a friend you know if like they send me something and they you know they might want to commission me to to mix something or edit something um i'll take on odd jobs here and there so in a way you're obviously progressing your own skill and stuff like that but it's also helping you mix and master your own music correct yeah yeah definitely when did you start Gab and what motivated you to actually begin the company? Yeah. Um, let's see. I, th I believe it was 2010. And around that time, uh, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. From 2008 to 2009, I was in a one-year program, audio engineering school, uh, like a trade school. And uh, when I finished that, I worked for a local recording studio, just kind of a freelance studio, an older guy uh, within his house. And it, it wasn't like a regular thing, just kind of whenever he would call me like, hey, Gary, we got uh, someone coming in today. Uh, can you be the engineer to record, set up the mics, record them, um, you know, develop uh, uh, relation, artist relations, you know, with the band um, in case we record or work with them down the road. Um, so that was kind of like a, um, a stepping stone. And I was like, well, I want to like kind of do this on my own someday. And it, you know, obviously it wasn't that long after, um, yeah, 2010. Um, I just wanted to kind of go full, full force with it myself. And I was starting to record bands. Um, I think my first kind of, I don't know, not big break is the right word, but um, recording uh, the grind band uh, PLF um, back in, I think it was 2012, I believe, I recorded and mixed their um, Devious Persecution and Wholesale Slaughter. It's kind of a long title. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of like swept me in like this world of working with a lot of like grindcore bands um, for years. Um, and that, that itself led to like a lot of different opportunities, like online where like people be like, Hey, I, I saw that you recorded or, or mixed this. Um, can we send you something that you can mix or master? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I guess you could say it was like wanting to, to boost my experience 
in a real world sense, like not just working on my own material, but with other people's, because it kind of makes it real at that point. You're like, oh, I'm working with someone else's art. Um, and then also the networking aspect of it, like finding and connecting with other artists, other bands, you know, leading, leading to cool other opportunities down the road. You obviously have a lot of experience both in within music itself, like with instrumentals, with mm -hmm. mixing and mastering. That said, owning a business is totally different than playing music and messing around on your computer, essentially. So what were some of your first steps in learning how to run and operate a business? Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Um, I, I will definitely thank my school that I, that I mentioned where I was, I was there for a year. Um, my last... Um, I guess there's still technically semesters. Yeah, the, like the last semester in that school um, was all about uh, the business of music. Um, so nothing uh, gear related or, 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 you know, practices in terms of the actual recording or producing or mixing, but the business side of it. And it, to be honest, it bored me at first, but I kind of, you know, I had to come around on it. I was like, well, I probably want to do this down the road. And so that course like really helped me like as, as I was getting through it to kind of uh, develop, you know, how to work with other people, strangers, strangers, really even how to approach people, um, how to continue a relationship with artists um, or, or clients, I guess, um, down the road. And it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was like learning a new skill that was, you know, in the music world. But it was not music itself, uh, which, you know, um, it's, it's definitely a different thing. There's obviously a lot that goes into it, like you were talking about the networking side of things, talking to strangers, mm -hmm. um, obviously taking direction from people as well when they want things oh, yeah. done a certain way. Right. With somebody with such an eclectic sound of music, do you ever find that some of your own influences are being pulled into your product? And with that, I mean, like, with, I guess... It, better question is with other people's music do you notice mm. that you have to kind of fight a natural tendency to do certain things that you would normally do yourself yes uh that has definitely come up um and that was another aspect that i yeah had to kind of tackle uh, where i was like okay I, you know in the end this is their art because I, I i would i would try to to not give much pushback on on some like if, if i didn't think that a decision an artist made was conducive i would try to approach it like as diplomatic as possible where i was like well okay i can see your point of view um but can we try you know um my perspective first and then we can compare because then you can you can now say oh yeah we don't want that let's just let's go with what we were thinking of or oh okay now i see what you mean with your point of view, like with, with, I don't know, you know, like a certain aesthetic choice or, or change. Um, so I've, I've experienced, um, some of that for sure, where I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, this, this isn't what I would do as an artist, but in the end, you know, it's their, it's their creation. Cause on the flip side, if, if I, if someone was recording me and, you know, if, if they did something without my, um, approval, you know, then obviously that kind of ends the the relationship there. So, you know, you have to kind of turn off your own creative brain to an extent. You can you can still give suggestions, but yeah, in the end, it's always the artists, um, you know, it's their passion project. It's got to be difficult to kind of balance um, what you think sounds good and 
and mm-hmm. kind of like I don't want to say your own reputation, but that's essentially what it is when you're looking at uh, working on somebody else's music. So it's hard yeah. to balance that portion of it as well as trying to make the artist happy when they're doing something that you might might think would be an, an, a negative decision overall. Does that yeah. make sense, I guess? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, makes makes a ton of sense. Um, and yeah, I've, I've definitely experienced that um, here and there. Um, and, you know, I guess at the end of the day, you know, I try to, if it's something that's like really, um, I, I mean, perhaps objectively distasteful, not distasteful, but uh, d- detracting from the end product uh, sonically or, or what have you, um, I try to really push a compromise to where, you know, it's like, well, you know, this is going to reflect not only on on you guys, but also on me. So you guys really have to think about that. Um, and I think I've only had to maybe deal with that like once. I can't really remember what it was. It might have been like something as like a, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a, uh, a vocal tone uh, choice or something like that, or vocal level issue. I think it was <laughs> like someone wanted too much reverb on their vocals, which obviously is very kind of a, an, either an acquired taste or specific uh taste uh in and especially given whatever sub subgenre it is like you know in black metal it, it can almost be very very encouraged but if it's like death metal sometimes depending on what kind of death metal it is um it can enhance it or other times really drown out everything else and i think yeah that was the case it was like a death metal band i recorded and they wanted like a ton of reverb and i was like you know i think this does sound cool in parts but not the whole album um and they are like really wrestled with that or we we really kind of had to come with a compromise we're like well do you think we guys you know maybe we can just come to a middle ground where we can dial it down a little bit and then in certain spots dial it up uh, to where you guys originally want it and you know that's kind of how it had to be where you you do have to to meet somewhere in uh, in the middle you either meet in the middle somewhere or you Mm -hmm. basically make the decision to uh, cut the losses with the customer. And I think that's the same with Mm, any business. If they're going to cost you an unacceptable amount or it's going to, it's going to reflect poorly on whichever company that you're either working for or running, you Mm kind of have to make that decision and and it's in protecting your own interest. But at the same time, it's like, look, I want to put out the best possible Mm -hmm. thing I can for you. And if I can't do that, then we can't be a match. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, th- thankfully, I hadn't had to come to that point. It's been a close call sometimes where we had to cut, you know, cut ties, um, you know, it, understandably, but but thankfully it didn't come there. But that that is a good point where it's like, if something just won't, if, if there is no compromise, then there's there is no compromise. It, it's just not going to move forward. Yeah. And I mean, that should be a conversation that you should be able to have with with either a customer or a business that you're looking at working with. Yeah. If it's not a match, it's better that you just cut the ties and then find somebody who is. And That's um, a good I've point. used this kind of parallel quite a bit, but with my tattoo artist, mm, uh, yeah. we did like a tester tattoo. It only took a few hours. Everything was great. Everything that I've pre- presented to him since has been awesome. That's why I keep going back. But if it was an idea nice. that he didn't like, he mm-hmm. would not feel or he would feel absolutely comfortable saying, look, I'm not doing this. And I should be good enough or I should be mature enough, I guess, to respect that and be like, okay, I'll find somebody who is or that could at least give me like further guidance, I guess. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's a and and that is like you said, like that's a uh, mature response and decision to to come with. Because, I mean, you know, there's 
every, everyone has their perspectives um, or tastes on, on how they want to be presented or, or reflected or connected to, you know, especially in art or any kinds of art. And when you're working with certain people or companies, like you have to know what to expect. You wouldn't yeah. go to somebody who mix and mixes and masters, like say electronic music for a black metal project necessarily. Right. Right. <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mostly. I'm, there's sure going to be some crossover somewhere, I'm sure, but. Right. So something I neglected to ask about earlier, but it's mostly mm -hmm. because I couldn't pronounce it. I found two song titles that now I can assume are in Tagalog. Ah, yes. Um, there are some in Gonmage, for sure. Can you say the names of the songs? Because I don't want to butcher them. And uh, what do they mean? Yes. Um, so let's see. I'm kind of, because I'm, I'm refreshing myself. Because um, I'm, I'm actually at my complete... Uh, computer where I have all of these notes and they're like old notes uh, obviously from from a little while back yeah um, but okay yeah on uh, so on uh, we'll, we'll say like on sudden deluge um, the the track title gumubulang uh, na alone that essentially means like a rising tide or actually really uh, like an eruption of a, a ocean wave um, okay. and that's so that's kind of like um, um the the vibe of that song in particular just like a swell of emotion a swell of of waves uh, maybe not even necessarily ocean waves but a wave in general a feeling an, an enormous feeling yeah um and then um i know there's there's definitely some others on um uh, there's one on the first album, Mystical Extraction, the very last track, uh, Epinta, oh. that's, that's paint. So, so referencing the paintbrush, uh, in the lore. Yeah. So I, I knew that I wanted to make this kind of a theme where I had at least one song title on, on all the full lengths that are in Tagalog. Um, and then on um handheld demise uh so that one uh, this one uh made a lot of people raise their eyebrows like what is going on here um so it's dahan dahang nagpapababa um and gosh what did i can't remember exactly what this was um i actually had this this one in particular i had to look up uh and i I had the note somewhere, but I think it was something that had to do... Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I have it here. So, essentially, degradation. Hmm. Um, and that kind of ties in with, like, the signal... The, like, the bit crushing, the, the overall signal degradation um, of, the of you know, the themes, of the, the video game theme. Um, yeah. And then I know there's, there's one on... Um... Oh wait, no, I think that's uh Oh no no no, okay. On on Astral Corridors, okay, yeah, I remember. So this one Slime Voltage Static Umagos. Um that's basically so static ooze. So that that song is just like about a big giant electric ooze monster character um who was born in like a uh like a futuristic junkyard of like scrap and it kind of sort of comes alive through like radioactive methods uh so so hence the name yeah stat basically a static ooze is there a reason that you chose not to follow up the actual lyrics of the song in tagalog yeah i um i guess kind of i wanted the lyrics to be a bit easier on me vocally um because mm. tagalog can be really tough to to do in terms of 
in a flow of a song, or at least for me personally, mm-hmm. where I probably couldn't have pulled it off in terms of like these the the vocal approach that I do across across this whole project. Um, you know, maybe some word. Well, maybe in the future might do like a phrase here and there. Um, actually, I, I definitely will. Um, but like a whole song, I think might be out of my capabilities. Um, at least for now, we'll see. Yeah. I've always found Tagalog and other like Asian languages pretty hard to follow because they seem just yeah. so fast to me. And that, oh yeah, that's funny. That that's really the key. Because um, <laughs> the the to have like a good proper flow of them, you kind you do really have to say them fast. Um, and that's just kind of you know the the flow of, of of those respective languages. And if it's in fast you know if it's fast music, um, trying to pull that off is is pretty tough to do. And I you know I'm sure there's there's may, maybe I might hire someone who can do it. Um, you know, for a, for at least one song, I think it would be kind of fun to see to see it happen. I think it would almost have to be like a, a really fast song. I don't know yeah. enough like Tagalog to to kind of put that into its proper context. But I'm I'm thinking just because of the way I've heard people speak, it just seems right. like something that would have to be mashed with Very a fast. pretty quick tempo. Yeah, and and um, there's um. Sorry, my baby's screaming. <laughs> oh no, all good. Um, uh, there's. Gosh, I can't remember their name, but there there was a Filipino thrash metal band, and and you know obviously a lot of thrash vocal uh, delivery is fast, mm-hmm. um, you know because the music's fast, and so it's just like rapid. And it's like wow, like Tagalog fits thrash because it's just like always you know pretty much fast vocals. Um, so it it you know maybe down the road yeah it could be like or, or like a, a like a blackened thrash song, um, you know and and then with like the sixteen bit sounds uh, intermingled. I think it would be interesting. that'd be really crazy i think yeah (laughs) just a couple quick questions about uh, tagalog itself so when you're saying the a's is it pronounced like ah or ah kind of yeah or does it change like english um most of the time it is like the ah um but but sometimes yeah it can change more like a ah uh but most of the time it's more like a kind of a like an open ah sound yeah and there aren't many like accents on top of the letters in Tagalog, are there? Right. Um, as far as I remember, not really. Yeah. I think languages are cool. Like how how different yeah. we all, how we all understand things and the different accents, the different alphabets. It's it's crazy how people. It's put, fascinating. Yeah. How how many different ways so many people can put the same thing together? If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of also ties in like why. Um, like not, not only just being half Filipino, but like language is just so fascinating where it's like, you know what, I want to make this song have kind of a, you know, maybe even if it's not in the lyrics, but like the song title, I want, I I want it to kind of raise a, uh, uh, attention where it's like, what, what language is this song in, uh, or the song title in. So it kind of like, kind of just brings a cool attention to it where it's like, oh, okay. You know, maybe they might look it up and, and stuff like that. Were you born in the Philippines or in the States? Uh, in the States, uh, I was born in, uh, originally in California, um, obviously been in Texas most of my life. Um, but my, my mom, she, uh, she, she's Filipino. She was, she was born and raised in the Philippines. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever visit? I have been there only once. Um, this was in, uh, 2001. Um, it was for her, my, my grandfather's funeral. Um, mm. and, uh, I spent the uh, whole week there, like a, 
like a, basically like November, uh, like Thanksgiving holiday break, uh, my whole, like, uh, that whole week I, we spent there. Um, you know, obviously the circumstance was, was, um, you know, not the best, but we, you know, or I enjoyed myself like, cause like the early part of it was the funeral, but then the rest of the week was basically sightseeing and kind of just learning about the Philippines and like, just, you know, it's a different culture than America for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the same could be said between California and Texas. That that is true. Yes, <laughs> very different. What, what prompted the move between the two states? Um, I, if I remember correctly, my it was like a job transfer that my mom had um, from from California to Texas, and uh, I guess what what confirmed or or what spearheaded the the actual decision was because my dad he's originally from Texas. Um, but he, he met my mom in California. Um, but when he was notified, or when my mom told him like, oh, I actually have a, well, the job transfer opportunity, I guess I should say it wasn't like a, like a for sure thing. And my dad was like, Hmm, uh, we should do it. He like, I guess he wanted to move back to Texas. So it was, it just kind of like made sense. And, um, yeah, we, we uh, moved from, I think it was in 1996. Yeah. Well, Gary, I want to thank you again for joining me today. This will be the 100th episode of Gyro Nation Metal. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I'm pretty stoked that you were able to join me. And I'm again, I apologize for the mix up a little bit earlier. All good. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.